I am not saying this because I am in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through Him who gives me strength. We begin a new mini-series today, Four Secrets to Surviving. The coming economic earthquake. Secret number one, shun it like the plague. Let's pray. Oh God, You are marvelous. You are wonderful. This is Your world, Creator, Father, and Savior. We know what's up. We feel it. We sense it in our soul of souls. How do we survive this? With hope, with courage. Let today's teaching bring both to us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Has it astounded you? I'm probably going to get into a bit of hyperbole here, but has it blown you out of the water as it has me? Ever since our world and our nation last fall moved into this current economic crisis, I am absolutely astounded at how we have overnight become so comfortable with numbers that are humongous. I mean, a trillion, a trillion dollars? Do you know how much a million dollars is? If we took a stack of $1,000 bills, and by the way, uh, President Nixon pulled them out of circulation back in 1969 to avoid uh, counterfeiting big denominations. But if we still had the $1,000 bill and we stacked them tight to get a million dollars, how high do you think that stack would be? Hmm? Four inches. I'd be happy for a stack... A four-inched, wouldn't you? Absolutely. How about a billion dollars? If you stack a billion dollars, how high would those thousand-dollar bills go? Huh? 300 feet. Yeah, this is 50 feet to the top of this sanctuary. So six times this height, you get a billion dollars, a stack of billion dollars, 300 feet. And if you took those same thousand-dollar bills and stacked them, to equal a trillion dollars, how high would that stack be? Nearly 63 miles high. Now, do you know how much the government of the United States is in debt for right now? Do you know? We're going to find out. Let's turn these big screens into a, a desktop computer screen. Let's put that Internet uh, browser up there. And you may want to jot this down, this website, www.brillig.com slash debt underscore clock. And let's find out to the very penny, to the very second, what our national debt is right now. Now, let's, let's enlarge that so that we can all see it. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Can you read that number? 
Let's read that number out loud together. Eleven trillion fifty two billion eight hundred and seventeen million sixty six thousand nine hundred and sixty two dollars and three cents. Now can you hey, hey, hold it. Can you read what's below? Given our population of about three hundred and five million, the national debt has continued to increase. I left out that part. Each citizen's share of this debt is $36,000. Our debt now increases $3.74 billion every 24 hours since September 28, 2007. You know how high that stack would be if we stacked up our national debt? It would stack up past the International Space Station three times, 699 miles. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in debt. But hold on. That's not all the debt. That's just the federal government. Let's take the entire American debt, all right? That'd be federal government. That would be a state and local government. Let's take all business debt. Let's take our personal debt, all student loans, all credit cards, all house mortgages. The, the debt for America alone on this planet right now, put it on the screen, please, $57 trillion. Houston, we have a problem. A massive problem. It's no wonder that debt has become a painful four-letter word in the American vocabulary. Hey, listen, I know the moment I say the word debt... Our stomachs begin to twist and not with this awful sense of hopelessness. Almost everybody in this building right now knows the meaning of that twist. I was talking with a friend of mine this week. You know what? He could care a hill of beans about the national debt. What is giving his family such angst today is the amounting of personal debt. It is choking out their hope. Is there any hope for the likes of you and me? I believe there is. I believe there are four secrets to surviving the coming Economic earthquake. You say, hey, wait a minute, Dwight, what do you mean? Come an economic earthquake. Haven't you heard? We got politicians in Washington now that have come up with a whole new strategy that will kickstart this economy, and we're soon going to be humming on our way once again. Are you serious? Is there a doctor in the house? Because we need a doctor to stand up here and tell us how is it that an artery clogs? We need a physician to remind us that it always happens imperceptibly, plaque upon plaque, fatty deposit upon fatty deposit, until finally that constricted artery grows thicker and thicker and thicker until it is totally obstructed and you get a massive, catastrophic, fatal, cardiac event called death. In case you didn't know. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what our national debt is doing to us today. 
And you can keep throwing billions of dollars at it. You can keep throwing trillions of dollars. But every time you throw another fistful, there goes that artery tighter and tighter. Some of you have been fooled, and for a while I was too, into thinking that if we can track the stock market, we'll know the fortunes of our future. The stock market is not telling us the condition. We're headed for a massive, catastrophic economic event. We don't know when, but we do know where. God bless America, land of the freely indebted. That's where it's coming. So how can we? I'm not, I'm not going to preach to the nation today. Here's the question. How can we, you and I? By the way, however, I pray for our leaders. I am praying to God for every one of those politicians that they will have the, the, the discernment to make the decisions we need to keep this door open just a little longer for the gospel to go to all the world. That's what I'm praying for. I don't care how you voted this fall. You pray. You pray. But I don't care about the nation right now. I'm thinking about you and me, average individuals, average little people before God. How shall we survive this coming catastrophic event? Four secrets. Four secrets I want to share with you over four weeks to infuse hope and courage into us in the face of the coming economic earthquake. And we begin right now. Secret number one. Open your Bible, please, to the book of Proverbs, Old Testament. Go to the book of Proverbs, please. Proverbs chapter 22. We'll take one line from the Old Testament, one line from the New Testament. You didn't, you didn't bring a Bible? Oh boy, grab that, grab that pew Bible in front of you, please. Proverbs chapter 22. Take a look at this. If you grab the pew Bible, it will be page 442. The pew Bible will be the new King James Version. I have the today's New International Version here. That's what you'll be seeing on the screen. Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs 22. Verse 7, the wisest man on earth wrote these words, the rich rule over the poor. Well, nobody needed a proverb to figure that one out. Don't read it now, but in my blog, in the bulletin today and on our website, which is coming up in just a moment, in my blog, New York Times reported it today. In the midst of this global economic meltdown, the hedge fund, the hedge fund managers have been able to hold their own with great flourish and style. Look at the billions the top 25 have each earned. The rich. We didn't need a proverb to figure this out. The rich rule over the poor. But here comes the line. And the borrower is slave to the lender. Now, you already knew that, didn't you? Yep. The moment you owe, you are slave to whoever it is, to whatever it is you owe. All right? That's, that's not... Let just the Old Testament speak to us, so let's go to the New Testament. Put another line there. Book of Romans, chapter 13, page 765. Romans, chapter 13. Here's the New Testament. We're trying to find out secret number one. Here's the New Testament word for us. Romans, chapter 13. Let's begin in verse 7. Paul writing, give to everyone what you owe. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Now, hold on, because it's verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Secret number one. I tell you, it's hands down. 
any wise financial counselor that I know, from the late Larry Burkett to the popular David Ramsey, they are univocal. They speak in one voice. This is the secret. This secret is so critical. I need you to pull, please, your, uh, pull out your study guide from today's worship bulletin. Brand new study guide for a new mini-series. You're going to want this study guide. If you didn't get a bulletin, hold your hand up. Our friendly ushers will come by your way right now, all the way to the balcony and overflow as well. Two, two very important lists that you will want to have. So hold your hand up. We'll get the study guide to you. And we're delighted to have those of you who are watching right now on television. Hope you'll be able to join us for the entire mini-series. Let me put our website on the screen for you. And you can go and get this identical study guide. www.pmchurch. There you see it now. www.pmchurch.tv Pine Memorial. PMChurch.tv. You're looking for the new mini-series, Four Secrets to Surviving the Coming Economic Earthquake. This is teaching number one. Secret number one, shun it like the plague. When you get secret number one, it'll say study guide. Click on study guide. It'll be on your screen. You can print it off. Fill it in right there and be a part of this. Everybody have a study guide? All right, let's go. Secret number one. We'll call the secret number 1A. Get out of debt. All right? Write that down. That's a no-brainer. Get out of debt. You're saying, Dwight, what kind of debt? Write it down. All debt. All debt. There are two kinds of debt I want to spend a few moments reflecting over with you right now. Number one, credit card debt. Write that down. Credit card debt. Have you ever seen a grown man cry? Huh? I had a university student in my office here in the Pioneer Memorial Church He shared with me the painful story of how his parents, before he came off to Andrews University, gave him a credit card in their name. And they said, son, you understand now, used this only in emergencies. Do you know how easy it is, though, to type in those numbers when you're online into that little box that asks asks for the number? Just, Just go ahead and type them on in. Just type the numbers on in. And then there's another little box that says submit. And you can get a shopping cart filled with the most glorious trinkets and treasures you've ever seen in your life. $50,000. One study shows that 25% of college students graduate with $5,000 as their credit card debt. When they get out of school, $5,000. Okay, you want to get out of credit card because I'm not... It isn't, trust me, it's not only college kids who are worried about uh, credit card debt. It's all of us. You want to get out of credit card debt? I've culled from some financial counselors. Here are six. Jot them down. Six principles. Six strategies to help you get out of credit card debt. Number one, jot it down. Perform what David Ramsey calls a plasectomy. Put, put quotation marks around it. Plasectomy. Cut up the plastic in your life. Financial counselors to the man and woman agree the only way to eliminate credit card debt is to quit using your credit cards cash only, please. David Ramsey, now fill this out. This this is fascinating. There is no... Now, those are his caps. Put it on the screen, please. There is no positive side to credit card use. You will spend 12 to 18% more if you use credit cards instead of cash. Now, look. You see, some, some of you are saying, listen, I, I pay my credit card off every single month. It's not a problem. I don't have any credit card debt. Ah, good for you, by the way. But 
The very fact that when you go down to Walmart and you're not putting three $20 bills on the counter, but you're reaching into that wallet and putting a piece of plastic, shoo, shoo, means you will spend 12 to 18% more because it never hurts to use this. It kills me to put down a single $20, but, but three of those green things? Are you sure I need this? Huh? That's his point. Uh, but I thought, Pastor, I thought we had to, you know, be able to do stuff online and rent a car. Oh, keep reading. I suggest, Ramsey goes on, a debit card because it's right straight into your cash pile. If you have to use plastic, I suggest a debit card. I use them for travel and the occasional convenience of ordering something over the Internet or phone. Other than that, I use cash, end quote. All right. Here comes number two. Principle number two. Secret number two, getting, getting rid of credit card debt. Always pay more than the minimum. Keep writing. Keep writing. Credit card companies are loan sharks. Trust me. Their minimum payment is designed to keep you in their debt forever, paying astronomical interest in the process. And by the way, with this current meltdown, guess what's happening? They are quietly jacking up the rate. And if you're not reading the small print, you're paying more and more and more, and you don't even know it. You'll never get out of debt with that minimum payment. Please. Number three, pay off your credit cards beginning with the lowest balance in order to experience success as soon as possible. Some people say, well, I want to get rid of the big one first. No, 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 no. Start with your smallest credit card because you've got to feel like you're doing something. Start with the smallest. That's good counsel. You can do it. Yep, you can do it. Number four, reduce the interest rate. The Motley Fool, that's the website www.fool.com, notes that credit card companies are so eager to have your business, they will negotiate the rates just to keep you coming. Call their toll-free number and say, I want a lower rate. I'm going to pay this off and get another credit card with somebody else. Boy, you'll get it just like that. James 4, 2. You have not because you ask not. A lot of stuff in life you can get if you just ask. No, I'm, I'm being, this is about life in general. Just ask. Just ask people. You'd be surprised what you can get. All right. Secret number five for credit card debt. Beware the debt settlement companies. Ramsey describes these people. The majority of them as hugely unethical. They require their fees up front, which will soak you. They tell you to they tell you to quit paying all your bills, which will just ruin your credit report. They don't answer the phone when you call. The Federal Trade Commission gets a heavy volume of complaints from consumers over these organizations. Don't do it. Call the credit card company up yourself. They got a toll-free number. Call them and say, "I got We, we got to do something here." They are eager to hang on to you, and they'll make the adjustment. By the way, I was talking to somebody this last week who told me that uh, he heard an N NPR report on these, these uh, payday storefronts, you know, that they have in, in, in downtowns all over America. Pay it's a big payday. Stay away from them. They'll eat you alive. Don't you ever go to them. And finally, number six, credit card debt. Talk to somebody, please. Here's how James Skurlock in his eye-opening book, Maxed Out, puts it. You'll have it there in your study guide. Maybe it's because of what David Ramsey calls the intense shame. Write that in. The intense shame that everybody feels about death. The false certainty that everybody else has it together. Everybody else has, everybody's got it together but me. People don't know. 
Maybe that's why. Or maybe it's what Bob, the Debtors Anonymous member I interviewed, told me. Debt is simply not a socially acceptable topic. One can talk about one's sex life or even one's drug addiction as though it were fashionable, but owning up to one's financial troubles means being ostracized from the world of polite conversation, end quote. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to get over the shame and we're going to have to talk about it. Talk to somebody, please. Don't suffer alone. There's help. The economic crisis we're in right now, by the way, has turned both paupers and millionaires into debtors. If misery loves company, you've got a lot of company now. Talk about it. In fact, jot that down. It's the first step to help. Here's a, here's a toll-free number. Call the National Council for Consumer Credit at 800-388-2227. Say, I need help. Financial counselor Todd Washburn, I like this. It is in everybody's best interest for you to be able to pay your bills. Pay it off. Get it off your credit record. Just get it off. Pay it off. Talk to somebody. And by the way, there are nonprofit financial counseling services, and they generally work on a sliding fee scale. That means whatever your, your, your little income is, they'll adjust it. They want to help you. Just talk to somebody. Don't suffer alone. You can do it. There's help on the way. And by the way, if you live here in Michiana, I've got some great news for you. Listen to this. April 23, jot this down. April 23, Thursday evening, 8 o'clock Eastern Time. We're going to have him live, coast to coast. And we're hosting him, Day Ramsey Live, right here in the Pioneer Memorial Church. Go on his rep website. We're already registered as a, as a host church. A host site. You've got to come. Because Ramsey's going to tackle the economy as it is right now. And he's going to offer some practical help. How to get through this thing. How to survive. It'll add to what you're, you're, you're calling right now. Jot that down. April 23, Thursday, 8 p.m. You're watching here in Michiana. You can make the long drive. Come on up here. Come on up to Andrews University, Pioneer Memorial Church. We'll host this for you. One hour. Live. Emailed in questions. The whole nine yards. It's going to be going to be a, a, a very informative and I believe helpful evening, April 23, Thursday. So there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Secret number one, get out of debt. What kind of debt? All debt. Credit card debt. Let's do one more kind of debt. Student loan debt. Huh? Two weeks ago, let me hold this up. Two weeks ago, this very informative piece appeared in the Adventist Review entitled College Loan Crash Course, How to Avoid Accumulating Debt in and Out of School, written by a graduate, Alita Bird, not a graduate from here. There's, there's some good stuff in here. Let me read her opening story. Sarah, not her real name, graduated from an Adventist college. Got a master's degree and then went to medical school at Loma Linda University in California. She took out loans to pay for her education, living expenses and books. And she estimates that she is now $300,000 in student loan debt. I don't think, she says, I will ever have it paid off. If you think about it, $300,000, she goes on, is like a house. For a house, people usually get a 30-year mortgage. And in 30 years, I'll be close to retirement. She counsels, Sarah does, students to think hard about their futures before starting graduate school. Don't start grad school, she says, without knowing your job in the end will support the cost of your education. She goes on, and don't, listen now, this community, don't go back to school because you can't find a job or you were bored. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Five secrets. She's got it here. I'll share them with you. Five secrets for getting out of debt. Student 
Life, student loan debt. Jot it down. Number one, don't pay more than you have to for college. That means shop around. Everybody in the finance department at Andrews University just sat up ramrod straight. What do you mean shop around, Dwight? Okay. 85% of Adventist college students have to receive financial assistance. Okay? Now, I like this. She quotes Vicki Thompson, our own Vicki Thompson, who is, uh, she is Associate Director of Student Finance at Andrews University. So here's what Vicki's saying. Listen to this. This is practical. If you're, you, you need to start the financial application process early. If you're a senior in high school, we've got some seniors here. If you're a senior in high school, start it now. File for FAFSA. That's free application for student aid. My daughter's going to college, so she files for FAFSA. It, incredible government assistance. Go for grants and scholarships to the max. And please pursue active employment on campus and through the summer. Some people get so many student loans, they say, listen, I don't have to work. I, I, I got loans. No, you're crazy. Work here and then work in the summer. Don't go that far into debt. You can control the amount of debt you, you embrace. All right? Number two, jot it down, please. Live within your means. Well, that makes sense. This article points out a lot of kids think living within my means means I need to live like mom and dad now live. The council says, don't live like your parents do now. You're not there yet. Trust me, when they were your age, they weren't living like this. And especially when you came along. <laughs> live within your means. Start out small. Number three, prioritize your debt. That's good. You know what she's suggesting? She's saying, listen, pay off your credit cards first. Because it's, it's high interest debt. Get rid of the high interest. In fact, she points out, you know, your student loan is probably one of the lowest interest rates in the nation right now. Save the student loan for last. Because you need to pay off what's, what's eating you. It's the high stuff. And that makes sense. And by the way, she says, don't even start saving yet. Pay off the high debt first. Because you know what? Savings accounts... Now, the interest is so low. You've got higher interest on your debt than the savings. Do the debt first, then end up with the savings. Good counsel. Uh, so that's number three. Prioritize your debt. Number four, avoid impulse purchases. Save before you buy. And here's what she's thinking. Okay, so you just have to have something. You know, you're starting a new little home and you're going to have to have something there. So what she recommends is take the amount of payment that that would cost you, a monthly payment, Try it for a few months. Just take it out of your, your budget. Put it away. See if you can survive with $100 less a month on my present income. If you can still survive, yes. If you can't, hold off. You don't have to have what you think you have to have all the time. That's the point. And finally, number five, uh, we've already talked about this. She says, use your credit card wisely. It is not a tool. I like this. It is not a tool to buy things you can't afford. It's not what it's for. Bottom line, a good education is an investment you will reap for the rest of your life. Just don't spend the rest of your life paying it off. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Secret number one, get out of debt. Credit card debt, student loan debt, auto loan debt, home mortgage debt, medical expenses debt. It doesn't matter how the debt was incurred. Just get out of that debt. Proverbs 22, 7, write it in this time. The borrower is slave to the lender. And Romans 13, 8, let no debt remain outstanding. 
Now, I like that because the old King James rendered it this way. Oh, no man, anything. Hey, come on, that's impractical. We're all going to incur debt somewhere along the way. But I like the way the TNIV puts it. Don't let that debt remain outstanding on and on and on and on. Just stop it. Just get it over with. And don't forget, April 23. You living in this region? April 23, Dave Ramsey Live. Hey, but give me a, give me a, give me a 1B on this one. Secret 1B. 1A, st- get out of debt. 1B, stay out of debt. Write that in, please. Stay out of debt. And by the way, keep your pen moving. The best way to do that is to quit looking at the ads. Quit looking at them. I want you to listen to a very bright advertising executive. In fact, he was president of one of the top advertising agencies in the U.S. in San Francisco, Freeman, Mander, and Gossage. This is Jerry Mander, former president. Listen to this. You got it in your study guide. Advertising exists only to purvey what people don't need. (laughs) This is so true. Whatever people do need, they will find without advertising. Hey, listen, when I get hungry, do I have to turn the TV on and say, what do I do with this hunger? What what, what should I do? Television, tell me, please. When I'm cold, do I get a magazine out and say, what do I do now? No, I know, you just put a coat on. That's all you do. When I'm sick, do I I need a television to tell me to get Kleenex? Are you kidding? If I'm sick, I can blow my nose in my hand if I want to. I don't have to go to where they say I have to go. That's the whole point, ladies and gentlemen, of advertising. It makes you want what you don't need. Because if you needed it, you'd have gotten it. You get it? All right. So, Mander goes on. The goal of advertising is discontent. Or to put it another way, an internal scarcity of contentment. Oh, I like that. The whole point. Is getting me to buy what I don't need to buy. I just got to have that iPhone slung on my hip. I got to have that iPhone. I just got to wear those Abercrombie and Fitch jeans or I'm not well dressed. Who comes up with this stuff? Huh? And so we buy what we don't need. We charge today what we won't want tomorrow. We go into debt only to stay discontented. But we are paying too high Far too high a price for the more that no longer seems like much. So, how? How do I free myself? How do I release myself from the hypnotic chant of Madison Avenue? How do I pull away? Here it is. We began with these words. I read them in your hearing. Let's go back there. We'll end there. Philippians chapter 4. Go to Philippians 4. Listen to this. This... This is it. Here it is. Philippians chapter 4. Pick it up in uh, verse 11. Philippians 4. By the way, Paul is in prison. Okay? He's in, he's in jail. He's in a dungeon as he's writing this. Philippians chapter 4. Let's pick it up in uh, verse 11. I, I, Paul, Paul writing, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content Whatever the circumstances. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Verse 19 now, and so my God will meet all your needs 
according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. The secret to staying out of debt. The secret to staying out of debt is an attitude of contentment. Would you write that down, please? I have learned the secret of being content. You see, contentment is a quiet state of mind based upon a simple way of life. Please come visit Karen and me anytime you wish. But when you come to visit us, don't ask to see our garage. Please. Is this true? The amount of storage space in your home is inversely proportional to the length of time you have spent in that home? Huh? Maybe we're just materialistic pack rats. But the stuff we had to have is now the stuff we have to store. We might as well open up a store. That's what we ought to do. Contentment. Contentment is a quiet state of mind based upon a simple way of life. It'll keep you out of debt. You know, some of you have gotten out of debt over and over and over again. (laughs) It's time to say, no more. I don't need that bigger house. I don't need that new car. I don't need that wardrobe. I don't need that toy. Stay out of debt. Contentment is a quiet state of mind based upon a simple way of life. Paul was no Zen Buddhist. Paul was a radical follower of Jesus Christ. And he learned what matters most. What matters most for me is that I will be contented with whatever I have, be it much or little. And his promise, my God will fill all your needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus is our promise too. You see, when you reduce your wants, and by the way, notice what he says, my God will supply all your needs. It is every wish you have, every desire and longing of your heart, God will fill. Never. My God will fill all your needs. Contentment is a quiet state of mind that is the fruit of a simple way of life. You don't need it. You don't have to have all of that. Get out of debt. Stay out of debt. And finally, let's just slip this in. Live out of debt. I.e., live out of a sense of indebtedness. To whom? P.T. Forsyth, the New Testament theologian from last century, once wrote that the most common emotion expressed in the New Testament is a sense of indebtedness. That's the most common emotion in the New Testament. Somebody has paid off my debt in full and I am free now forever and ever. Amen. That's good debt. There is no other such debt called good. They'll fool you if you think there is. There's only one good debt in the universe. And that's that debt to Him. Oh boy, I love this from Desire of Ages. Fill it in. In the gift of Christ. Look at this. Look what God has done for us. The whole treasury. Isn't this something? Can you believe this? The whole treasury of heaven is open to those God seeks to save. Having collected the riches of the universe 
and laid open the resources of infinite power. God gives them all into the hands of Christ and He says, all these are for man and woman. Use these gifts to convince them that there is no love greater than mine in earth or heaven. Their greatest happiness will be found in loving Me. End quote. Ladies and gentlemen, everything in the universe was poured out in love's gift at Calvary. You got it all already. You already have it all. So you and I can now live, I'm telling you, we can live with a genuine spirit of joy and gratitude for being indebted to Him forever and ever. Good debt. Great God. Glorious cross. Get out of debt. Stay out of debt. Live out of debt and through it all. I promise you, I promise you, God will take care of you. Yes, He will. He'll take care of you. So I was jogging the other day. Indoors. It was wet. Couldn't run outside. My treadmill is downstairs, faces the window. And on that gray morning, I'm looking out at this leafless apple tree. And I'm working through in my mind as I'm running on that treadmill, brooding over some difficult circumstances and wrestling with God over how this is all going to turn out. And, and you know how it works? If you brood over something long enough, it just gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And suddenly, out of nowhere, two blue jays land on one of those rain-dripping branches. And I'm staring at them as I run. They hop from branch to branch until they were both facing me. Almost as if they were saying, hey boy, look at us for a moment. And I did. I looked at them, even in the gray light of that early hour. The translucent blue streak glowing in the rain. I'm looking at them and I'm saying, hey, wait a minute. Are they worried about something? Do they look anxious? Hey, wait a minute. Didn't the God who created them, isn't He my Heavenly Father as well? Do they have to sow and reap and then find barns to store their food? No. And if they can trust... My Heavenly Father, can't I trust Him even more? Because am I not more valuable than two little blue jays? And with that, I flew away. But not before God made His point. Hey, my God, my God will fill all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I need to tell you, my friend, God, I promise you, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. I realize that some of you here today are facing daunting
debt. Some of you are out of work right now. Like the national debt, your debt is mounting. Some of you own a business that is on the brink of bankruptcy. Some of you are seniors facing graduation in just a few weeks without the prospect of any work at all. Some of you have mounting medical expenses and they just keep getting higher and higher. Some of you, your life feels like it's out of control. My God will fill all your needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. I promise you, trust Him and God will take care of you.